0: Welcome to episode number 26. If you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope your Friday's going really well. Um, Whenever you're listening to this, I hope that you are doing great. Uh, Just to share you a bit from my week, it's been a very up and down week for me. I started it feeling so productive, kind of ticking off all of my to-do lists, feeling like an absolute badass like I was on top of the world and then Thursday rolled around and I actually just turned into a human potato and I don't think got any anything done yesterday which was so demotivating so it's been a real kind of mixed bag of a week but a definite highlight is always a Friday because I get to re-listen to these episodes, get them uploaded and share them with you so this has definitely picked me up um, but in this episode I sat down with Sarah Fisher who is a very talented graphic designer and published illustrator based in San see in the UK, um, and we just had a good old chat. Now, something that you might not know is that often the guest episodes are recorded pretty far in advance. So the solo episodes I generally record on a Wednesday or Thursday for the Friday, but guest ones are kind of whenever we can book them in, and therefore this one was quite a few months ago. Um, and what that means is that when it comes to uploading it, I've often forgotten all the details of what we talked about, and obviously I re-listened to it to edit it. And so that I know what to say in this intro. Um, And when I re-listened to this one, I just absolutely loved it. I found total joy in listening to it and real comfort and encouragement as well. Um, If you follow me over on Instagram, you'll know that kind of the past few months of my business haven't been the easiest for kind of both personal and business reasons. Um, And I really, really wish that I had re-listened to this episode back then, because some of the stuff that Sarah talked about and she kind of shared the reality of when she started her business, I think I would have just found so helpful. And she talked about things, you know, like when she started and didn't have any clients, what she actually practically did to reach out to people and get her name out there, um, what it's looked like for her to kind of find her space in the market and hone in on her niche and what that process has been for her. Um, We also just had a good old chat about branding and how as business owners and entrepreneurs we can brand ourselves and we did go on a little bit of a tangent talking about the backstory behind Comic Sans and also the benefits of shopping at Lidl. So as you can guess it was a bit of a chatty episode, we talked about a lot of different things but let me tell you it's not one to miss. Um, It was a real joy recording it, it was such a joy listening back to it and just kind of Feeling comforted and encouraged and inspired by everything that Sarah shared. So don't forget to check out the show notes at alicebenham.co.uk forward slash Sarah to get connected with her and everything that she mentioned in the episode. But I'm going to stop rambling and let's get on with it. Welcome to Starting the Conversation. If we haven't met before, my name's Alice and I'm a digital marketing coach based in the UK. It basically means that I work one-on-one with entrepreneurs and help them to develop effective and sustainable online strategies. I'm going to be real, when I first started my business, Google was my go-to for all my questions and I was incredibly isolated. A job which I once loved was soon making me pretty miserable and I realised that something needed to change. You see, I truly believe that when we create community with fellow entrepreneurs and keep it real about what we're going through, being self-employed becomes far more fulfilling. So consider this podcast your go-to place for a good old mix of honesty and expertise. Listen in on open conversations with likewise women, where we'll discover their stories and also the learning curves which has got their business to where it is today. Also, join me for solar episodes where I'll unpack a digital marketing or business topic, hopefully leaving you with some expertise that you can apply to your business right away. So now that you're up to date on who I am and what this podcast is about, let's dive in to today's conversation. For anyone who doesn't already know you and they're not already connected with you, tell us a bit more about what you do, who you are and what you, yeah, get up to.
1: Hey, so I'm Sarah, I'm a graphic designer, um, so I'm based in Portsmouth and I work with clients uh, mainly doing kind of branding, illustration stuff, particularly for print Sign.
0: And your story to that obviously wasn't, you kind of, you had an Etsy shop before, right? So tell us a bit more about yep. kind of what that story looked like, how you went into the self-employed world and I guess had some transition within that.
1: Yeah, so I went to uni, studied typography and graphic communication at um, the University of Reading, which I absolutely loved. Um, And then after that, I kind of just got a job in a design agency like um, most of the other people in my class. Um, But after a couple of years there, I was kind of feeling like, um, I guess I wasn't learning enough or as much as I thought I was was going to. Um, So I decided to take the leap and go self-employed. Um, loads of things just sort of, uh, happened at the right time to, um, enable me to go self-employed. Um, so I took the leap into freelance graphic designing, um, and that was, yeah, about two and a half years ago,
0: I think. Wow. How did you find that transition at the time?
1: Um, so yeah, it was really exciting, um, but also way harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, I kind of naively just assumed that I would put up my portfolio website and, clients would come flocking to me yeah. <laughs> which in reality um that doesn't happen maybe it does for some people I don't know if didn't happen to does, me then, I can agree yeah. with you on that one <laughs> <laughs> if that has happened to anyone please tell me your secret <laughs> yeah.
0: it's so true though and I don't think we talk about that a lot when we talk about our stories into business and we you know the kind of classic route is we work in the corporate version of what we do and then we take the leap to doing it self-employed no one really mentions that kind of middle period where however many months it is where you're kind of don't really have any clients and I guess I at least had this when I first did it every single day you're questioning is this actually the right thing should I just go and apply for a full-time job is that something that you obviously you experienced when you first started?
1: Yeah definitely so when I left my kind of corporate job um, I was lucky enough to have two freelance clients that I was doing projects for Um, so that kind of set me up for the first probably the first month or so Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of in my head I thought okay I'll give myself three months to um, like I won't pay myself a salary for three months I'll just sort of build up my business and see how it goes Yeah, Um, and I was fortunate enough to get uh, one other really big client during those three months but apart from that um, I, I really don't think I got any other clients or work particularly So at the end of that time, I was just kind of feeling like, oh no, this is a bit discouraging. I don't really know what to do. Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And at the end of that time, I probably thought I was really tempted to just give up. Um, But fortunately, my husband is kind of really supportive and he was like, no, keep going. Like maybe you're just not trying the right things to get clients or whatever. Um, And as usual, he was absolutely right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I th- I think at, after kind of six months, I sort of really had to sit back and think. Okay, I'm, my kind of business strategy of waiting for people to find me um, it doesn't really work.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think I I definitely see this too. And then people that are starting up businesses, I wonder if because of the fact that we don't obviously there's not often a space online to talk openly about kind of the difficulties of when you haven't got clients and I know that for me anytime I talked about it I kind of you feel like a bit of a failure don't you because you're like well yeah, I can definitely. do this thing and I have this service but for some reason no one wants it and I think there, there is that attitude of you feel like you're I don't know I just felt wrong for reaching out to clients and being the one that made that first move um and I guess what, what helped you when you were in those kind of months of you would said you were going to give yourself this time off and not you know be paid a salary or not take on new clients but obviously kind of probably nearing the edge of the, the end of that time frame you were probably thinking oh I still not had new inquiries so you probably in the back of your mind we were panicking a bit what how did you deal with that obviously your husband was very supportive but was there anything that kind of helped you to keep pressing in?
1: um so I guess I kind of went back to basics in a way mm-hmm. and kind of thought okay I just need to um kind of it was really starting from scratch and thinking okay, what am I good at? What services do I want to offer clients? Um, and then I really had to think hard about how I could get those clients. Um, so there are kind of three ways that I went about doing that. So first of all, um, I basically just contacted everyone that I know, I was like, hi, I'm now um, doing this freelance graphic design thing. Um, on, on a slight tangent, I feel like loads of people that work in creative businesses, maybe you're the same. Like people like my mom or my aunt don't really know what I do day to day. And um, yeah, I just kind of assumed that people would think, oh, Sarah's a graphic designer. Yeah, she, she must do branding and illustration. But actually, if you don't tell tell people, they don't know Um, which makes so so, much sense when
0: you say it but I've been in the same position where people like what do you do again and I'm like oh the whole world doesn't know what I
1: do yeah yeah. like even now loads of people kind of just think that I design greetings cards because they know I've got a little Etsy shop I'm like well I do but I do loads of other stuff as well yeah um so yeah first kind of strategy was just to contact loads of people and say okay I'm now doing graphic design, self-employed for myself, which means that if you need help with rebranding your business, or maybe you need a brochure or a leaflet or something, that is something that I could help you with, um, mm-hmm. or kind of illustrations to help you portray your business, or yeah, do whatever. Then get in touch, um, and then kind of one person did, and then a couple more people, and it kind of grows from there. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, using your, the contacts that you already have is definitely a good strategy I think for when you're yeah. starting out.
0: <laughs> did you feel like you had any contacts from working in the industry before or did because I know sometimes people feel comfortable to take the leap self-employment when they've kind of built a network that they know will kind of help them is that something you experienced or was it kind of cold turkey as soon as you started?
1: Um, so from my design agency job not so much I kind of felt like I didn't want to tread on their toes by going self-employed and I kind of yeah I didn't want to look like I was trying to steal clients or whatever Uh um not that that was my intention but I just thought I don't even want them to think that I might be yeah
0: um
1: yeah doing something which isn't very kind um so most of my work contacts really were from my degree um and one of the first really big jobs that I got actually came from one of my course mates who works for a publishing company um and she got in touch completely out of the blue and said oh we've got this illustration project um for some coloring books would you be interested yeah uh, and that turned out to be kind of probably one of the biggest jobs that I've ever done um so I mean far. that was a
0: really exciting <laughs> one wasn't it I remember you telling me about it before we were recording today is yeah, that the one so that was said, can I say who it was where or is that Yeah, one? yeah, definitely. That was the one with Kath Kidston, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so, so she epic.
1: Said, <laughs> it was pretty cool. She said, oh, we've got this um, illustration job for a colouring book.
0: Yeah. And then
1: a little bit later down the line said, oh, by the way, it's for Kath Kidston. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm interested. <laughs>
0: You're like, this is not just a colouring book. This is I know. Legit. <laughs> That's um, amazing. But you never know where those contacts are going to take you, do you?
1: No, exactly. And often the people that have got in touch kind of that I know that said oh we've got this job you might be interested in they're definitely the people that I don't expect or mm-hmm. um, yeah you never expect them to get in touch and say they're starting a business or something yeah um, yeah
0: so that was one of the yeah. things you did you reached out to friends and family and let them know what you were doing what yep. else helped you when you were kind of in that oh there's no clients what do I do face
1: yeah, so second way is just kind of cold calling people, which <laughs> is really not my favorite thing to do. But um, yeah, it does actually work sometimes. <laughs> which so is encouraging, because I yeah. think
0: sometimes we immediately associate that there's no way we can instigate a client relationship, because we're so used yeah, to definitely. just hearing it the other way.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so I kind of sat down and thought, okay, who are the companies that I would actually really like to work for? Um So the two kind of sectors that I am most likely to contact are digital marketing agencies and publishing companies um, because I think my kind of design skills fit quite well with what they offer, but also some of the things that they might not have expertise in-house with. Um, So, for example, a digital marketing agency, I might go to them and say, well, um, obviously you're really good at um, designing social media campaigns for your clients but maybe your clients also need um a branding refresh to make them look really good in their campaign and that's something that I can help you with Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah when I contact people I kind of tell them how I can help them rather than just saying yeah please hire me to do some work
0: (laughs) which I think really helps with how they perceive it because it's not you pitching to them it's actually saying hey here's something that I can bring value to what you're already doing and it, yeah,
1: definitely. Like, yeah. I can help you with this thing and um, yeah, help you to grow your business at the same time.
0: So that's worked for you, reaching out to companies yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely. Particularly with um, local companies, I found, so I'm based in Portsmouth and there's a couple of um, companies around here that um, have got back in touch and said, oh, yeah, that'd be really great. We'd love to work with you, mm. which has been really cool.
0: So I guess figuring out, you know, what's different about your services or what's different about what you bring that's going to want them to buy from you as opposed to anyone else or in fact not at all
1: yeah definitely kind of thinking about what are my specific skills that I can bring to them that maybe other people don't have or Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah ways that I can help them
0: so now you're two three years down the line um and at a place where well, I'd assume so. There's no months where you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need new clients, etc., etc. So what does that now look like in terms of where you get your clients from? How has that evolved from when you first started your business? Has there been any method to that or is it something that's just naturally happened? Tell me a bit more about, yeah, what it looks like now.
1: Um, I feel like, I guess it probably has naturally happened. I feel like once you get your first few clients, then things kind of um Grow from there. Mm -hmm. I want to say, I don't want to say the word snowball because I don't think that's quite correct, but we grow slowly. It's like a very small
0: (laughs) snowball that goes very slowly. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: So you kind of get your first client, do a really good job for them, and then hopefully they recommend you to someone else who then Mm -hmm. recommends you to someone else and it kind of grows from there. Um, And then, I completely lost my train of thought of what I was gonna say <laughs> um, yeah so I don't think it was really a strategy of mm-hmm. such um, kind of at the start of each year I tend to sit down and think what do I want from this year like how many clients do I want to have um, mm-hmm. and then try and work out an actual plan for kind of okay in this month I want to get one new client for a big project and two new clients for a small project, for example. Um, And I found that that kind of helps focus me to go out and get work, Um, Mm -hmm. whether that's contacting existing clients to see if they need anything else designing or um, getting in touch with new people, um, kind of going through Twitter and seeing if anyone needs design work doing.
0: Yeah, um, and I like that, that idea. Works it's quite well. a lot more of a proactive approach, isn't it? Rather than, I definitely wouldn't have had times in my business where there's been maybe not even a lack of clients but just a lack of something and I felt like I kind of need to sit back and it would be too sousy and pushy if I said anything about it or promoted myself and I think we all probably feel that way at some point in our business. So it's really refreshing to hear of like, no, it is good and normal and okay to put yourself out there. And we don't just need to kind of sit back and wait for those dream clients to come at us because I think it never quite ever happens that way anyway. Yep. (laughs) And the power of the referral, isn't it? I always think that be careful how you treat... That Even like my small clients that I started with are still now continuing to be beneficial in my business. I think there's... Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if you... I found if I... As I've learned how to treat my small clients really well... Um, it has helped me to do a much better job for my bigger clients because mm. you kind of you learn how to look after people and to make them feel really valued and special, which all of my clients are. Um, and yeah, it just kind of stands you in good stead for building your business.
0: Yeah, and I think I I would so agree with that in the sense of that sometimes I would be wishing for these big clients, but then I would think to myself, well if one comes along, do I have a process in place that's like ready to onboard them or ready to get the process started. And I think sometimes having um whether people need to give out free sessions or discounted services or whatever that almost give you that trial run and you then get a chance to figure out what works, figure out what doesn't and then like you said, when those bigger clients come along you're like road tested and ready to go. And I yeah, think absolutely. we can do a lot in preparing ourselves to yeah. ready for those clients rather than just sit back and think they'll come when they come yep (laughs) (laughs) which is easy enough to do (laughs) definitely so talking a bit more about your story and your business which is something I'm really interested about because you started off you have an Etsy shop right and yep. you've kind of pivoted and developed your services and who they're targeted at as you've gone along. So tell me a bit more about what that's looked like. Because I think sometimes we see someone three years down the line and imagine that they started out with that much intention and vision. And, but I think none of us did. It's always a process. So tell me a bit more about, yeah, that story.
1: Yeah. So when I left my agency job, um, I thought, oh, I'll start an Etsy shop. I'll design some greetings cards sell loads and become really successful because (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of what you see on Instagram or social media or whatever um yeah I guess you see the pretty things which often is um products or cards or things like that um so I just assumed oh I'll do that as well um so yeah I think I I don't want to say I wasted time but I spent a lot of time uh making products for my Etsy shop um which then it's actually really hard to sell stuff on Etsy mm-hmm. <laughs> um again if people have got the secret of how to sell loads then please tell me Get in touch <laughs> with you you'd
0: like to know yeah <laughs> um
1: but yeah it's way harder than it looks and yeah maybe just having an Etsy shop is not my natural forte I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah I think after a little while I kind of Took a step back and thought, okay, so selling greetings cards is actually quite hard to make a living from. So,
0: and you have to sell what... a lot of cards to make a salary. <laughs> yeah,
1: a lot of cards. <laughs> um, and unless it's Christmas time, people don't want to buy tons and tons of cards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I kind of stood back a bit and thought, okay, what actually is it that I am good at? What am I trained at? Um, obviously I have a degree in typography so I kind of thought okay maybe I should actually use that because I really enjoy it yeah (laughs) um so that kind of started a process of pivoting my business and thinking okay so the kinds of people that I want to work with actually I want to use my skills in knowing how to use typography Mm -hmm. to help other people um whether that's through designing booklets or leaflets that um Have tons of information that you need to make sense of, or whether that's through uh, designing them a brand which helps them get their message across really clearly Mm -hmm. Um, rather than kind of the product based business. um, I realized that actually a service based business definitely suits my um, strengths in design much more. Mm
0: -hmm. Which I think is something that's good to talk about because in the world of branding and design and everything, kind of digital there are so many different types of clients that you can serve and so many different types of services you can have and i think sometimes the temptation is to be everything to everyone and say yes to everything so you were talking about there how you kind of realized that service-based businesses and these also certain types of clients and companies were the best fit for you how did you figure that out because i'm sure as someone who you hadn't worked in those kind of roles particularly before so what was that process like for you
1: Um, again I think a mixture of trial and error yeah Um, and kind of gradually as I was getting more clients um, I was realizing that there are some projects that I really enjoyed working on Um, and I think you find when you really enjoy working on a project you do much better at it like Mm -hmm. the work you produce is just of a higher standard because you're enjoying it or um, yeah it just becomes much more of a joy to do Um, so Um, I remember at the end of, I think it was the end of 2016, I sort of sat down and looked through all of the projects that I'd worked on in the previous year and thought, okay, which are the ones that I really enjoyed working on that I thought went really well? Um, And all of those seemed to fall into the category of print design or branding. Um, So I thought, okay, actually, these are the things that I need to focus on Mm -hmm. going
0: forward. And did this the like niche, I guess, would be the right word for it, did the niche that you chose change the way that you then presented yourself or was that again just something that I think most things are trial and error but
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably again a bit of trial and error um I try to be a lot more specific on my portfolio website about what I actually do Mm -hmm. um rather than just saying I'm a general graphic designer um which I mean I do love all aspects of graphic design but um yeah I tried to put projects on my portfolio that showed that I really enjoy print design that I really enjoy illustration mm-hmm. um and in the wording that I use on my website um to talk about how I can use my skills to solve problems for people um which is a really nice just, way of putting yeah.
0: it yeah I like that <laughs> I <hope so. laughs> it presents it as like it then becomes attractive to the client doesn't it as opposed to Hi me, pay me. It's like, here's what I can add to your business. And here's the yeah value that I can bring.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, I want to make all of my clients feel special, because at the end of the day, they are the important ones. um, And I want their businesses to do as well as they possibly can. So Mm -hmm. they need to know that I can bring value to them um, and help their businesses to grow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. which is so nice I feel like that's just like the nicest reason for loving what you do and wanting to do your job really <laughs> cool. it feels nice doesn't it when you're like actually making a difference as well as doing a job that you love you know that it's actually impacting other people in a really positive way
1: yeah it's definitely just... and particularly um I love it when you kind of help small businesses in particular mm. I mean obviously I love working for bigger businesses too but <laughs> um when you help them I don't know, to refresh their brand and mm. then they see a massive increase in their sales or their number of clients, um, it's really special to think, oh, actually, I've really helped them Yeah. Uh, and maybe I've helped them earn enough money so they can take their family on holiday or something. Um, it's so nice. This it's is, like you yeah, playing a part really nice. in other
0: people's businesses, isn't it? Yeah. Which is really great. So talking about small businesses particularly, because a lot of the listeners to this podcast will be entrepreneurs and small business owners let's talk about branding because i think it's sometimes can be a bit of a buzzword which Mm -hmm. we talk about a lot and we kind of know it's really important but tell me more i guess a bit more about where your passion lies with why branding is so important for small businesses and what's the because i think i would Definitely say that branding is something that's relevant for every size business. It's not a when you get to a certain point, it should be important. So, tell me more about your view on that, why you think it's so important, how, as small businesses, we can engage with effective branding.
1: Yeah, so I guess when you have good branding, um, it immediately sets your business apart from everyone else um, because it's so easy to have bad branding. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as you put in a little bit of effort, it really does um, just raise the whole professionalism of your business. The way you come across, um, people look at you and think, oh, wow, they do actually know what they're doing rather than this is just something they've, I don't know, mocked off on word or whatever. Yeah. Um, like you're putting in just even like the smallest bit of effort really does go a massive way. Um, So that's one of the reasons why branding is really, really important for small businesses. Um, It helps clients to take you seriously. And I guess if you are wanting to spend money on something, you want to know that you can trust this person or this company, that Mm -hmm. they're going to deliver what they say they will and that they actually know what they're talking about. Mm. Um, And part of the way you can portray that you do know what you're talking about or that you are good at what you do is by having really good branding and looking like you've got everything together. <laughs> yes.
0: And for Even people, if under the surface you're yeah. kind
1: of paddling along.
0: <laughs> it's like that analogy of a duck, isn't it? Like they look so yep. peaceful on top and then underneath their legs are just like quick as they can.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> this is a good way of saying it. I think a very realistic view of what it actually looks like to run a business. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so talking about how as small businesses and entrepreneurs we can engage with branding, because obviously for many people I did this myself we hire someone like yourself who's gonna Mm -hmm. bring the expertise and the like you're very talented so you obviously want to hire that help in but for people that necessarily aren't at a place to afford that or it's not something that they've got yeah the budget for are there kind of small and simple ways that we can strengthen our brands and yeah I guess give some kind of tips and tricks as to what effective branding can look like for us
1: Yep, so there's a brilliant book um, called How to Style Your Brand by Fiona Humberston. I really hope I'm saying her name right. (laughs) I think I am. (laughs) Um, I can send you a link to it afterwards. Um, Yeah, I'll
0: link it in the show notes. so people. Yeah,
1: yeah, that'd be great. Um, Yeah, reading that book was really helpful for me to know how to brand my business. But also, I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's thinking about how to portray themselves as a small business. Um, it's really good like if you're a graphic designer it's fantastic but also if you have no idea about design um, it really helps you think through kind of who your ideal clients are what they're looking for um, yeah maybe other things that your clients might be looking for that you haven't thought about mm-hmm. um, so yeah if you want a good book to read I definitely recommend that there you go. Um, in terms of kind of practical tips and tricks Um, I guess an easy thing that everyone can do is to I guess think of a good color scheme for your business Um, Mm. maybe just the way you brand yourself on social media or your website Um, there are lots of websites out there that can give you good color schemes (laughs) to choose from Um, and then just use those colors for everything and kind of stick to it Um, because automatically that will help just bring everything together that you're mm-hmm. doing um, and make it look like it's all supposed to go together. Um,
0: even when it's a little bit higgledy-piggledy, as long as it looks... Yeah, Yeah, it's exactly. that visual, isn't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I guess also, um, even if you have just got your logo, say, written out in a nice typeface, um, don't just pick a typeface from your computer, like Comic Sans, like, obviously... <laughs> Never, ever use Comic Sans.
0: <laughs> it's like, I was going to, the next question was going to be like common mistakes in branding and I think that would oh, be yeah. a big no-no. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Once you start seeing companies around that use Comic Sans, you literally see them all the time, especially, I don't know, in shops and things. It's a bit crazy. Um, do you think maybe but, people do it yeah. for
0: irony now or they actually just don't understand? Yeah, I don't
1: know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of, It always makes me smile because um, the guy that designed Comic Sans, he's a super talented typeface designer. Mm. Sorry, this is a slight tangent. Go for it. Um, And it's actually one of possibly the best designed fonts that I know of. Um, It's just so misused that it has become a bit ironic.
0: What's what's the ideal intended purpose of Comic Sans?
1: um, I think he... The guy made it to go in a comic book. Oh,
0: okay. Um, Hence the name.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what he made it for. Um, But it was never intended um, for huge commercial use. Um, And I think, yeah, it got put on some Microsoft computers, you know, like Windows 95 or something. And then suddenly everyone started using it.
0: (laughs) I mean, imagine you're like just creating a font and then it becoming this like global joke.
1: Yes. It must have just been
0: like, the, this is like, it went viral, but in a really awful way. It yes. must have just been such a weird experience.
1: <laughs> but he is a super talented font designer, so, um, <laughs> yeah. we uh, a tangent. I think you're talking yeah, about um,
0: ways that we can brand ourselves. You're talking about not using all the fonts that are on your computer.
1: Oh, yes. So, um, places like Google Fonts have and some really good typefaces that you can download and use for your business they're all completely free and legit to use um, and again just because most other small businesses won't have gone to that effort you'll automatically be setting yourself apart and mm-hmm. uh, looking way more professional just by doing that
0: <laughs> yeah and it's having that association isn't it if you can put the same colors and the same fonts to everything you do then slowly people begin to recognize you off the back of that I guess is that of yeah, the definitely. intended purposes of having a strong brand
1: yeah because then when people see a particular color or a particular typeface they'll be much more likely to think of your business um mm-hmm. or yeah associate things with you and what you're offering yeah um, so when yeah. you
0: sit down for people that are listening and are thinking okay I think I want to go down the route of trying a bit of branding for myself because the reality is that sometimes we have to figure things out on our own. I think that's half the joy of being self-employed. Um, so it would be interesting to know, when you sit down with a client, so people that you're designing branding for, how do you take it from here is you and here is your business to here are colours, fonts, designs and a style that suits that? Because I think for some of us that aren't necessarily visual, it can be difficult to know how to end a branding design off the back of ourselves as businesses. So what does that Yeah, tell me more about what that process looks like for your clients and I guess advice as to how people might be able to do that for themselves.
1: Yeah, so I guess um, normally when I sit down with a client, we would discuss what their ideal customers or clients um, would be or are. Um, So, and we think about the things that their clients might be looking for or even just things that their clients enjoy in their day-to-day lives. Um, For example, we might think about where their clients go shopping or mm-hmm. whether they're asda people or waitress people for example
0: <laughs> there's a big difference yep and <laughs> <among> the morrisons
1: <laughs> good choice
0: thank you what's your chosen supermarket of choice
1: um it would be lidl um, mainly mainly because it is two minutes from my house nice so i then, have heard good things uh, about lidl oh it's so good
0: <laughs> you have to take your own bags though that would put me yeah on that
1: is true but i mean it's worth it
0: (laughs) okay i'll check out a little next time i'm near one (laughs) sorry another tangent back to branding yourself
1: (laughs) yeah so um i guess if your ideal client is someone that shops in waitrose for example um you maybe would want to steer away from really bright and bold and brash color schemes Mm -hmm. um yeah, you might want to go for something a little bit more refined and um, muted, maybe. Um, yeah, again, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's
0: okay. <laughs> but I think that's really interesting because my instinct would have been to immediately think about me and my business as opposed to my the first question and the first train of thought to be about the, your ideal clients. But it makes so much sense because you're not marketing to yourself, you're marketing to the people that are going to end up being your clients. So it flips it on its head of how I would have approached that, which is really interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because often a client might say to me, oh, can we have, for example, a green logo because I really like the colour green? Or, oh, my wife really loves yellow. And I think, well, that's really lovely, but this has nothing to do with your business or your clients. Um, So, yeah, it really is all about kind of stepping back and thinking okay my personal preferences aside um how do I want people to look at my business and what are my clients looking Mm -hmm. for because in any small business um your clients well in any business in general your clients are the most important people um so it really pays to think about what they want and what they're looking for rather than what you want (laughs) yeah
0: it's a very selfless way of looking at it but I think it's it makes a lot of sense now that you've said it but I wouldn't have yeah initially thought about that and is I think something I'm always curious about is I think often in business we're really great at whatever we do we're really good at doing it for other businesses but sometimes it takes a back foot in ours. so how do you do you find it easy or difficult to work on your own branding in your own work Do you feel um, like you spend all your time <laughs> doing it for other people and then it's like I can't be bothered
1: yeah it's been on my list for about two years to kind of make myself a nice logo and
0: (laughs) do you not have a logo
1: well I mean on my website I think I just have my name written in a nice typeface
0: (laughs) that's hilarious that like proves my point perfectly of like yeah I think it happens to all of us
1: (laughs) (laughs) and I think I've got a a consistent color scheme now but um yeah it's way easier to do it for other people
0: (laughs) yeah and I guess just thinking kind of what you said there about color scheme when we have someone do a piece of branding for us I think it can often free you up in everything else you do because you almost have this set of guidelines and you know that as long as you do something that fits into that it's going to work rather than fi- I think sometimes I f- if you have all the options in the world and all the different colors and styles and fonts and whatever it can almost be a bit like paralyzing because you don't really yeah know definitely to go in. But yeah you just
1: end up thinking oh man I could do anything <laughs> and then constraints are actually really useful and helpful
0: and send us in the right direction as opposed to sitting for an hour trying to pick a font, which is yep. <laughs> a situation I've definitely been in many a time. Oh, me too. <laughs> they somehow just look very different, but all the same. I've never quite... Yep. <laughs> got one. I'm sh- do you look at signs now and you can tell which font is which? Or is it not quite? Um,
1: yeah, sometimes. Particularly kind of really well-used fonts or ones that um, yeah, have particular aspects that look really different from another font like a Baskerville ampersand I can spot from a mile away.
0: (laughs) You just see the world in a different way to everybody else. That's hilarious we can't get away from our businesses can we they just follow us. (laughs) So kind of as we finish up the episode there's a couple of questions I like to ask everyone both out of just curiosity and nosiness for me but also because I think It's always interesting to hear other people's stories and to learn from what other people have been through because we're very often on our own. And like you said, trying to make it up as we go along. And trial and error, I think, is our best friend as business owners. (laughs) So I love as much as I, I can to encourage us to, yeah, learn from each other. So would there be anything that when you first started, not that you regret, but maybe you'd wish you'd known or like advice you wish you could have given yourself when you first started your business?
1: Um, I guess one of the biggest things would be just to keep going keep plodding away Um, there'll be some days that you just think oh man I don't know where my next client is going to come from or Mm -hmm. um, yeah I guess probably most designers or creative people think fairly regularly to themselves oh should I just go and get a normal office job Um, but yeah actually just keep going and keep working hard um and I guess that is the other thing like it is really hard work particularly in the beginning Mm -hmm. when you're starting out um and there's no kind of getting around that um you have to be prepared to yeah do lots of hard work and do hard things like contact people cold calling them um which yeah loads of stuff that just completely goes out of my comfort zone um but actually, it's so worth it in the end. Um, Mm. And I guess as well, don't judge your success based on other people's. I always look on Instagram, for example, and I think, oh, wow, that person is doing so well. Like they look like they've got dream clients or work all of the time. Um, But obviously, the bits that I don't see of their lives, maybe they're sitting at home thinking oh I don't know where my next client's coming from as well
0: yeah I (laughs) Um, think we do that to ourselves don't we we look at other I always find this interesting we we know that what we put into the world is so like not a good representation of our real life but yet we still Mm -hmm. look at other people's stuff and don't make that same connection
1: yeah definitely and yeah I I don't want people to look at me and think oh wow she's got it Mm -hmm. all together because I definitely don't, but at the same time, in a kind of selfish way, I want to just put the best bits on social media. Um, so I'm sure balance, everyone else is doing the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was. I, this was something I was really actually thinking about last week, and it was in my weekly newsletter talking about you know where that balance lies between being vulnerable online, but not just becoming this like oversharer that everything just becomes a bit negative. And I, I think it's a balance. I don't think there's any. Oh,
1: absolutely <laughs> right or
0: wrong. and it's different for everyone isn't it but I do th- I agree with you that I think sometimes we we can help ourselves by not com- comparing but it's hard not to just choose not to do that isn't it when it's just sat there
1: yeah and I mean everyone's journey is different as well like yeah. it might take you six months to get completely booked out in your business or it might take you two years or it might take you five years um but actually that's okay because we're all different and yeah
0: and we're that's going to be exciting thing. Businesses.
1: Yeah, and that's the reason why we are working for ourselves and building small businesses because we don't just want to be like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and but often we forget that and we think, oh man, I'm not the same as that person.
0: <laughs> I think we all have those like slightly crazy days of like everything just gets a bit too much and then you see one Instagram post from one person and it's usually someone that you really love and I think I love the whole like. Um, community over competition message and stuff but I think it sometimes is when you just get caught at a bad time and you see something on Instagram or whatever it can just get to you kind it? and you're just like I give yeah, up this definitely. is the worst <laughs> job ever and then the next day you're like oh this is fine I quite enjoy yeah. this
1: <laughs> and then the next day this is the best job ever
0: <laughs> yeah it's like you just go on this this journey and I'm not sure I'm not sure anyone's quite ever figured it out or feel like it's perfect yeah. but it's good fun <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been Oh, fun. thank you
1: very much for having me.
0: I feel like thank we've you. had a slightly random conversation, but <laughs> it's covered some good topics. That's okay. As always, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at alicebenham.co.uk forward slash Sarah to get connected with Sarah and everything else that she mentioned within this episode. And hey, if you enjoyed tuning in, why not take two minutes to leave a review over on iTunes or share that you're listening on your Instagram stories. It really does mean a lot to me to know that there are people and faces behind the numbers of who's listening. And hey, the more that you share and the more that you review, the more people that this podcast can reach. But other be back next Friday with a solo episode talking all about how I've created a memorable client experience and put processes in place which not only take a lot of work off of my plate when it comes to onboarding new clients but also creates an experience for them which is memorable and full of delight for them so I'm really excited to share that with you but until then I will see you next Friday